I'll start reading in verse number one. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide in me, he is cast, excuse me, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask to the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would, have, would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me... They will also persecute you. If they keep my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had they had excuse me, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He, ha he that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now they had both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, the, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning." Verse number five says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. I'd like to draw our attention this evening to that word that's used several times, and that's, that's that word abide. That word abide. And we see it mentioned over and over again here in the next few verses that follow verse number five. And I want to take those, that word and give to you a quick Bible study on living the out of my control life. Living the out of my control life. I didn't say living the out of control life. But what I did say is living the out of my control life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for everything you do for us. Lord, I do thank you for the privilege it is to once again uh, stand behind the pulpit and preach your word. Lord, I do ask that you would uh, be with me, Lord. Help me only to say the words that you would have me to say and nothing more and nothing less. Lord, I do ask that you would uh, calm my nerves this evening so that I may deliver your message. Lord, I ask that you would be with the hearts of the people. Lord, I pray that if there is someone here this evening that is uh, not sure of their uh, of their future in heaven, Lord, I pray that they would uh, receive that hope that is Jesus, Lord, that they would receive salvation before it is everlasting too late. Lord, I ask that you would uh, just continue to be with our church, be with the people of our church, be with those that are, are not feeling well, be with those that have been unable to be here, Lord, help us to be an encouragement to them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Living the out of my control life. Um, I, I'm just going to be really honest with you this, e this evening. This is one of the uh, scary messages sometimes for a pastor. I really don't have that many notes. 
I don't. And uh, I know I heard somebody say amen. It was Brother Michael over here. And, and Brother Michael thinks we're going to get out early. And can I tell you that that's a great possibility. You might get out early tonight. And, uh, or we might get out much later. I'm really not sure. All right. And, uh, um, but this thought, living the out of my control life. Um, I'll be honest with you. Nothing for me is scarier than that feeling of something that isn't in my control. And I, and I look, I, I know you didn't come to church tonight to hear Brother Nate confess to you. And, and if you're visiting with us tonight, please come back and hear our pastor and don't judge our church based on me preaching, okay? And, and uh, um, you, didn't, you didn't come to, to hear my confessions tonight. But I just, I'm just being honest with you. I like to have control. I do. And, and if you were honest with yourself, and I'm, talk, I'm not talking about every single one of you. I, I know some of you just simply don't want responsibility, and you'll say, I, I don't care about being in control. Everybody else can have the responsibility. Uh, but I would, I would bet, um, if we as Baptists did that, uh, I, I, would, I would bet that there was somebody else in here that would say the same, that they like being in control. They like being in control. And can I tell you, I like being in control. I do. I, I, I like being in control when we take trips. Um, I hate not driving. Anybody else in here like that? I, I mean, I just hate it. Um, you, you know, we used to uh, live in Florida, and we would drive from Florida uh, to Pleasantville, Iowa, where my, my wife is from, and it's about 22 hours, and we would live, uh, leave mid-afternoon so that the girls would, uh, we could get them some dinner, and they'd start to wind down, and then they would sleep through the night, and I could hit those Tennessee mountains, and, and I could really go as fast as I would like to through those mountains, and uh, um, as, as the girls were sleeping, including my wife, so she wouldn't nudge me and say, how fast are you going? And... Uh, uh, um, but, but I would drive, drive through, and we would drive straight through. I didn't want to stop. Never wanted to stop. It's just, no, let's get there. And, uh, and so we would get just outside of St. Louis most every time. And, uh, and, and I would look at my wife, and it would be right around the morning time, that 7 or 8 o'clock, and just as I'm getting a little bit sleepy, and, uh, and, and I'd be like, well, maybe I'll let you drive for a little bit. And, uh, and I'd pull over at a McDonald's or something, and, and I'd let her drive for just a little bit, and I'd act like I was sleeping. And, and, and I don't understand it. I, I don't understand why it is you have to turn so sharp. I mean, why is it? And, and why, why is it that, that I feel every bump? And, and, uh, and I just feel like, like you know, just not in control. It's like, and, and I say, hey, you know, maybe you should slow down a little bit. And she's like, I'm going way slower than you were. And I say, you know, just keep it in the lanes. And she's like coming from the person that's always riding on the side of the road. And, uh, and what is it? I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm getting nervous and I'm trying to sleep and trying to get a little bit of rest. And my heart is like, poof, poof. I'm like, okay, pull over. I've had my little bit of rest or maybe I've had my energy given back to me. Um, nothing is better uh, than, than letting your wife drive to really get your adrenaline going. And uh, uh, sorry, husbands, I'm gonna get you in trouble tonight. Thank you, Rose Johnson. And, uh, um, and, and, and you know, I would drive the rest of the way. And, and I have learned that that's not the only area of my life that I just love control. I, I have never been afraid of flying, so to speak. Uh, but I learned not too long ago, uh, my wife and I f uh, flew overseas and uh, we were in that airplane and it was uh, in the middle of the night and you're looking and you're like, man, we're just sitting here over the Atlantic Ocean. And can I be honest with you? I started to get a little nervous. I started to get nervous. And I was like, you know, I know this airplane's not going to go down. And, and uh, you know, I know these guys know what they're doing. And it's, this is a nice uh, jet that we're on and everything of that nature. But I've learned that, you know what? I started thinking, I wonder what he's doing up there. I mean, that door's shut all the time. I can't even see him. Maybe he's sleeping. What if we get off track? And, and every time that I have flown after the fact... Uh, we get up in the air, and, and my heart starts to get just a little bit of boom, 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 boom. I think, I, I'm praying, Lord, why am I, why, why am, and it's not that I'm nervous. It's that I'm like, well, I want to fly the airplane. Why can't you let me in there? And then I walk by, and, and, uh, and I see the cockpit, and you see all those buttons and dials and everything. Then I'm reminded why I don't fly the airplane. I have no clue what I'm doing. I like control. I, I, I drove down to uh, Theodore last night to play basketball 
know some guys down there, and you've been after me about uh, driving down there, and uh, never played basketball with them before, and, and I being a point guard, uh, you know, they, they make a bucket, and I'm standing under the, under the rim waiting for them to pass the ball into me. And, and they pass the ball into somebody else, and they start the offense and such, and I'm just standing there like, what is going on? Like, give me the ball. I want control of the basketball. And, and, uh, and, and I have realized that it's a problem in my life. I said, you didn't come to hear Brother Nate's confessions. But I like being in control. And, and, and it's a funny thing. Because as we read scripture, we're told over and over and over again that we're not supposed to try to control our own life. And I get convicted. It's like, but I want that control. I want it. It's like sitting in that airplane. And you know, the only thing we can control in the airplane, the only thing we actually know what's going on is you know your departure. And you know where you're supposed to go. You know your arrival. Nowadays, you can pull up an app while you're flying, if you're flying Southwest or many other airlines, and you can see the GPS. And it shows you how fast you're going. It shows you the altitude that you're going. Um, The plane that we were on that flew us over uh, to Europe actually showed like you could go around the airplane and kind of see where it was. And, and, uh, you know, I think just making people think that they have control, almost like giving the controller to uh, some little kid that's trying to play a game, but his controller's not plugged in and he's over there thinking he's doing something. And and, uh, uh, they do that to us. They act like we have control. But we really don't know anything other than the departure or where the destination is and I sat there and I started thinking about that I thought in my life in my Christian life especially that's the case I know where my departure is I know that time that we took off in my Christian life I know that time that I trusted Christ into my heart as my personal savior and then I know with 100% certainty where my destination is. And tonight, if you're saved, you have that same hope, and you know that. But what we do in between that point and the next point is where we literally lose control. And can I tell you that if you don't live a life that is out of your control, you'll live an out-of-control life. I'll say that again. That if you don't live a life that is out of your control, you will live an out-of-control life. Tonight, I'm, I'm going to ramble on an introduction, okay? Just forgive me. Then eventually, we'll get to three points, and uh, we'll be done. I said, we may be quick, and, and uh, I said, I would have been quicker if Brother Heath would have stayed up here tonight, but he didn't. He left me, and so, uh, so it's his fault, all right? And, uh, uh, but but we're, we're supposed to give God control of our life. And, and, and we think about that, and we think about this verse, and we think about all these verses, and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll examine many of these in John chapter 15 tonight. And, and uh, we'll, we'll say, you know, I know that I'm supposed to abide in Jesus. I know that. I know that he abides in me, and that I'm supposed to abide in him. Um, and, and, but we think, we think, you know, I like that control. I mean, we're human, and, and especially us as men, I think we like to say, you know, well, I'm a man, I want that control. And uh, uh, pastor's even been saying it the last few Sundays, talked about the manly thing. And, 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 and I think wanting to have control sometimes is, is one of those things. And, and then we're reminded that our wife truly has the control, and, and, uh, and that puts us back into our place. But we, and when we say it, we'll say, oh, yeah, God has control of my life. But then we go out and we make decision after decision after decision after decision without ever consulting the Lord. And we'll go and, and we'll, we'll make, uh, we'll, we'll turn this way or we'll turn that way. Last night as I was on my way to Theodore, and uh, I'd never been to the church down there. I know uh, many of you have. Um, I, I decided that I was going to go uh, south down here off of 49 and, and uh, basically get all the way to 10 and shoot over. And I had my maps on my, I had the destination there on my iPhone. And, uh, and I got on 10, and all of a sudden it just kept recalculating. And it showed me having to do a U-turn on I-10. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I can do a U-turn on I-10. And, and it showed that I was off course. 
And I was, I mean, I was still on I-10. I was going eastbound, and I was, I was confused a little bit. I was like, well, I know I'm going the right way. But my phone kept saying, turn here, turn there, recalculating. Turn here, turn there, recalculating. And I thought, you know what? As I've always said, those GPS things, they're trying to lead us astray. They are, okay? I get an amen there. Thank you, whoever that was. And, uh, um, but I, I, I honestly felt like, you know what? I'm not sure where I'm going. And I've never been to this church before. I've never been to this gym before. And I'm about to call one of my friends like, uh, what exit do I get off on? And, and finally, the GPS uh, connected where, where I actually was. And it recalculated the route and says, hey, you're on the right path. But in our Christian life, many times we get off and we actually are on the wrong path because we've decided in our life that we were going to take control of the GPS uh, that, that for our own life in the direction where we think we're supposed to go. And, and God has a, 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 a route planned for us and a path for us of things that we're supposed to do. And, and he's looking for us on that path. And we're way off over here and saying, recalculating, recalculating, go back. We say, oh, I'm just going to keep on trudging on, trudging on, trudging on. And that Holy Spirit there is there, and it's prodding you at your heart and telling you where you're supposed to turn back to. And finally, listening, you got to go all the way back and get right back on that path. And we'll say, hey, I'm going to let God be in control of my life this time. And we get five minutes down the road, and we do the exact same thing. And sometimes, and, I, and look, I'm preaching at myself tonight more than anybody else in this room. And I have to remind myself, who is greater than God at being in control? Who is it? We know it's not us. Because every time we get in control, we normally spin out of control. And, and every time that, that we try to, to, to maneuver the things that we want in our own life, it turns into a mess. And we say, okay, God, I'll give it back to you. And we step out and we press autopilot again like we're supposed to. Living by what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And then things start to go good. Then our flesh starts to say, well, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work out. And we grab it again. And what happens? Spin out on that black ice again. Anybody in here ever spun out on black ice before? Amen. I lived up in the north for the last five years and uh, um, I, w I felt like I was doing pretty good for the most part as far as driving on the ice now walking on the ice was a completely different story it was and, and man it to be honest it was a pride killer you know how many times I would you know be with my girl somewhere or something and I'd go to get out of the car and psh, psh, try to be smooth about it get up like <laughs> I meant to do that have a bruise on my back here and we I had come out of my house one night and uh, we had an ice storm come through and and between our house and the barn where our car was parked I can't remember why I was going out there but it was just a a, a layer of ice across that gravel and I was walking through there one day and I was got in a hurry and sure enough started to go started to go went airborne and landed right on my back knocked the wind out of me, and there I was. You know, I pride myself as this athletic person. I'm laying on my back, gasping for air. And our neighbor pulls up. <laughs> and, I, and he rolls down his window, and he's like, Nate, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. And what, man, I just lost control said, I just, I tried to do things. And he's like, don't you know, you're not supposed to run on the ice. He's like, when will you Southerners ever learn? And, but it's dangerous. But where do we get off thinking that, that we are greater at being in control than God is? I mean, over and over and over again in scripture, he tells us that he is greater at it than us. Isaiah chapter 45, verses five through seven says, I am the Lord and there is none else. I could stop there. 
I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girdeth thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, so your Bible says, I, the Lord, do all these things. He tells us why he's greater at being in control. He says, it's my creation. I'm greater at it than you are. He says, you're my creation. And all he asks us to do is to give our life back to him so that he can be in control. Sorry about that, guys. You're in my spit zone there. And, and uh, so, that you can be in, so that he can be in control. He tells us, just look at creation. Man, I've been blessed in my life to see some just beautiful things. I've been able to see Niagara Falls and the Grand Canyon and, and been to uh, the Florida Keys and Hawaii and places in between. And you look at these just spectacular things and you just say, wow, how awesome. But it should be a reminder that God, who is the creator of these things, we should give him control of our life. He tells us, he says, I am the Lord. I do these things. There is none else. We're so guilty in our life of giving control to, to, to so many different things other than God. Many times it's us in our pride say, no, I have control. I got this covered. We don't even give God a chance to, to show and direct our path like the Bible says he would. But then we let the worldly things get in there and it controls us all the time. We let our jobs control us all the time. And we let all these things get in the way and take control other than the Lord. And he says, I'm it. There's none beside me. Give it to me. He reveals that in his creation. Job had to come to that realization in chapter 12, verse 10. It says, in whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Not just in his creation, but, but in his capacity to do these things. Says, uh, he says, I, I have control. If you would just put it in my hand, everything would be okay. I mean, I love... I, my kids, man, they remind me of, uh, of these things all the time. And little Emma, she was over here and, sorry. She's over here playing the piano and doing a good job. Where is she? Good job, Emma. You know, as a dad, there is nothing greater. There is nothing greater than you're out and about. Maybe you're walking through the woods or you're taking the, the kids through a, a, a trail at night or... Maybe a storm's coming, and one of your girls gets in real close. She's scared. To be honest, you're scared. <laughs> I'm scared. Grab your hand. They put their hand in your hand, and just immediately, they think everything is going to be just all right. And we won't tell them the truth. Say, <laughs> so that's right. Everything's going to be just fine. But for us and our Heavenly Father, if we simply put those things in the hand of God and let Him control it, He reminds us that everything is going to be all right if we just give Him that control. Amen. But our pride gets in the way. And, and we... And, and at times when we're afraid and we're all those things, sure, we'll run to God then and we'll grab his hand. But at the times when things are going good, you know what I love even more than that? I love when my girls just run up and we're having fun and everything's going great and they grab my hand and just say, Daddy, I love you. Put it in his hand. Realize that he has a greater capacity to control than we do. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Who is greater at God than being, at, than, at being, at, being in control? 
we realize that his course is better than ours. It's not just in his creation and not just in his capacity to do these things, but his ways. The path that he has drawn up for you is greater than the path that you would draw up for yourself. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. They're greater. But yet we get this thought in our mind that because we drew out this path for us that it's better. But the only reason we think it's better is because we can actually see the whole thing. When God says, just trust in my ways, I'll direct your path. Just give it to me. Just give me that control. I think we don't do that because we're worried about how we're going to provide inside that control. And I'll tell you, and, and, and lastly, by introduction, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, I'm going to read just a few verses. It says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the, the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying, What these things do the Gentiles seek? For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Talking about just giving him control. As we realize that his care is greater than the care we can give ourselves. It is. I don't care how much stuff you have. To be honest, I don't care how much money you have. I'm losing my mind. It doesn't matter. I will tell you that God's care is greater. It's greater. He uses the illustration of, of the lily. And he says, Solomon in all his glory and all his prestige, and all his wealth, and all his own wisdom. He said, it's not arrayed as like one of these. Think about how much care I can give that. Think about how I clothe the grass. Don't you think I can take care of you? Don't you think I have everything that you need? Don't you think that I can take care of you even in a tough season maybe even in a spiritual drought which our country is no doubt seeing he tells us that he is better at it than us so tonight for the next 15 minutes I give you three things on if you would simply give God control what it'll do for you what it'll do for you because as we give God control, as we realize that, his, that, that, that he reveals himself and being greater at, at control than we are by his creation, through his care, through, through his capacity to do these things, through his ways, that if we simply give him control, we're going to see some great changes in our life. It's going to happen. Look at your Bible there in John 15, verses 4 through 7 says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If ye abide in me and, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Firstly, this evening, 
that if we simply give God control of our life and stop living out of control and live out of our control, first thing that's going to do for you is it's going to change your dependence. It's going to change your dependence. Can I ask you a question tonight? What are you dependent on? What are you dependent on? If I went around the room, and I'm certainly not going to do that, and I asked you, I don't think we would get very long, long before we say, well, I'm dependent on my family. And that's a great thing for those that can depend on their family. But not everybody can. Say, I'm dependent on my job. That's a great thing you have a great job. That's a blessing. But can I tell you that that can dry up pretty quick? You say, I, I'm dependent on my savings. Can I be honest with you? I don't mean to scare you. You know, that can go away too. If your dependence is on anything outside of this, it's on the wrong thing. Listen, I'm preaching to a mirror tonight, okay? I'm saying it to myself. But when we give God control of our life, and live a life that is out of our control, it's going to change our dependence. We see that word here so many times, that word abide. And using the definitions of abide, this is telling us that as Christ abides in us, he dwells in us. And this evening, if you are saved and on your way to heaven, Christ dwells within you. We in turn are to act in accordance to, submit to, to agree to, and to remain steadfast and faithful to him that abides in us. And we give him that control. I mean, these verses that I just read, it, it is an awesome description uh, of how <coughs> we are supposed to, excuse me, to have complete dependence on God. The branch's whole life is dependent on this vine. It is nothing without it. And this evening, you and I are nothing without the vine. Say, who is that vine? Well, it's Jesus Christ. And you and I are nothing without him. Sometimes people will say, and, and uh, uh, they've been saying it forever, and I, and I know what they mean, and, and uh, they'll look at my girls and say, oh, you got good girls. Or, or as a kid, you know, say, oh, you're a good boy. Or, or you know, that's a good person, and, and something of that nature. And, and as an adult, I try to remind them, and I try to say it uh, when they say to me, say, well, the only goodness in me is Jesus. Because that's the truth. And these verses explain to us how this branch is nothing without the vine. And without the, the nutrients that the vine can give it, without the sustenance that it brings, it has no strength. It has no being. It would simply wither up and die. Its whole dependence is on the vine. And if the Bible here is expressing to us that we are those branches, can I tell you, if you simply give God control of your life, he will give you the strength and sustenance and, 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 and power and everything else that you need if you would simply depend on the vine in your life and realize that you are simply a branch. It's okay. So am I. And realize that your whole life is dependent on Jesus and Jesus alone. I've never seen a branch try to take control It knows its place. How come we don't? How come I don't? And when we give God complete control of our life, we realize that we are dependent on him. The Bible tells us that, that without him, we can do nothing. Boy, isn't that a thought? I don't like to do nothing. I don't consider myself a do-nothing person. I like to do things. People used to say up there, you're like, man, do you, what do you think about winter? I'd be like, well, I, I kind of like winter. I mean, I like this. I'll, 
I don't mind playing in the snow and, and uh, doing those things. And I don't really like cleaning up the snow, but I like playing in it. And uh, um, I don't mind the cold. It, you can always put more clothes on. You can only take so much off. And, and I don't mind it that much. And uh, I'll say, well, you know, what do you like least about it? Can I be honest what I really like least about? I like that nobody did anything. You know, you go knock on somebody's door and they just crack it open. And they're like, why are you here at my door? It's five degrees outside. I'm not coming out until it gets warmer. No, we won't do anything. I'm like, well, let's go do something. Like, wait till it gets warmer. I don't like to do nothing. But the Bible here says, without me, you can't do anything. Anything worthwhile, that is anything meaningful and isn't that a stark contrast from Philippians 4.13 which we can all quote that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me and so that verse is simply telling us in contrast to this verse that if we would give God control of our life and live a life that is out of our control we'll have everything that we need I'll have all the strength that I need if I simply just depend on the vine that is in my life, well, it's going to keep me alive. That I need to, it's going to give me everything that I need. I'm not sitting here and, and preaching prosperity gospelism. It doesn't mean that a 71 Chevelle is going to be parked in my parking spot over there unless one of you want to put one there. That's fine. And uh, um, I'll drive it. And, but uh, it, it does explain to us that, you know what? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, but I can do nothing without him. And those words, all or nothing, that's exactly what it means. See, so many of us, we think, well, I can just live my life in the gray area of Christianity. Wrong. It's all or nothing. You can't have it both ways. And when we finally learn to give God control of our life and understand that without him we can uh, do nothing, that we can be nothing, and we depend on that vine as, as, as he tells us to here in John chapter 15, we realize that we can do anything through him. But it changes our dependence. It changes what we go to in that time when we really need him. It changes our thought process on how we're going to get something done. And going into that, verse number nine says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If I keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that, le that ye love one another as I have loved you. When we live our life out of our own control, not only will it change our dependence, it'll also change our desires. It'll also change our desires. I think if we all did a self-reflection tonight, and by the way, that's what the, the altar time is for. Let God point out to you what you need to get right with him. But if we all were honest with ourselves tonight, if you're living your life in your own control, you have a desire problem. Eventually, you're going to get sick of me preaching, and he'll never let me preach again, but that's okay, for the time being. But you'll have a desire problem. But when we give God control of our life, he changes those desires. We're abiding in him. We're letting him control uh, our, our thought process. Uh, we're, we're truly living Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And, and we're letting the vine not only control our actions and our dependence, but we're also letting it control our heart and our thoughts and our mind. And it'll change our desires. These verses tell us how our obedience to God gives him complete control of our life, which will lead to a change and those desires. Where do those desires lead? Many times those desires, when we're living our life in our own control, lead to a life of sin. 
lead to a life of us giving into our flesh at every stop. Say, that's why I said earlier, either you live your life out of your own control or you live your life out of control. And you live your life being controlled by desire, being controlled by lust, being controlled by sin, which leads to nothing but destruction. And look, if you're like me, every time you do something against the Lord, you get disappointed in yourself. I do. I say, Lord, I hate this flesh. I'm just trying to be real with you. I get disappointed. I have to go to him and I have to examine my life and say, okay, I see what happened. I took control. And because I took control, I allowed the devil to jump in there and whisper those desires into my ear and the flesh take control. But when we live our life out of our own control and, in, and letting God have the control. It's a true change of desire. It'll change the things that we love. As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Can I ask you tonight, what are the things that you love? These are good litmus tests for who's in control of your life. What are the things that you love? It'll give us joy. It'll give us joy. These things have I spoken unto you that ye might that ye that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Can I tell you one of the easy ways to determine whether a Christian is living his life? in his own control or in God's control. Look at his countenance. Can I be real honest that if you've let the news of today get you down to the dumps, which it will, it's going to. But if that controls your joy, your control is with the wrong person. I'm not saying it's not important. But joy is something that comes from the Lord. And it is great joy when we live our life out of our own control. And we realize, you know what? My dependence is on God. And then you can really be that person that says, you know what? Yes, things happen in my life. And, and maybe things aren't perfect everywhere. And maybe I don't have the 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 nicest of whatever it may be. But God's in control of my life. And I have joy because of it. It changes the people we're around. If we look to verses 18 and 19, it talks about those that hate him, those that love him. And as we give God control of our life, and it changes our desire, it'll change those who we want to be around to where we desire to be around other people that live their life out of their own control. And that leads to lastly, verse number 13. It says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things I, that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of my Father in my name, he may give it you. Not only living our life out of our own control will give us a change in dependence and a change in desire. But lastly, and most affectionately, a change in description. The Bible says here in verse number 15, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. 
but I have called you friends. When we live our life out of our own control, that's when we truly become friends with Jesus. And there is nothing sweeter than that. There is no greater thing in the Christian life than to be a friend with Jesus Christ. I am humbled that God wants to be my friend. But he says, that's up to us. He reaches out his hand in friendship. And as we give him control of our life, says, not my servants. Henceforth, I call you my friend. I have been blessed in my life with some really awesome friends, some great friends. Since I've moved here, I've had some wonderful people in this church befriend me. And there is nothing better than that. And I appreciate their friendship. But there is no greater friend that you or I can have than Jesus. And it should humble you that he longs to have that type of relationship with you. What is a friend? That person attached to another by feelings or affection? A supporter? That cheerleader? And we should relish the fact that when we surrender our life over to him, that he wants in turn, don't miss this, to have a personal relationship with you and me. And when you give your life over to the Lord, and when you give him full control, that's when you finally have a true, personal, intimate relationship with the Lord. Your Christian life is nothing without it. It's the most precious thing it should be the most precious thing to each and every one of us. We don't always treat it like that. It is truly the greatest treasure that we can have in this life. Is that sweet relationship with the Lord. And the greatest failure that a Christian can have in this life is to live his life, may be saved but never develop that personal relationship with him. Never gave him full control. I think I've mentioned it. I know I've mentioned it at least twice. Something that I mention all the time because I'm trying to remind myself not everybody hears, well done, thou good and faithful servant. but I believe a friend to Jesus does. And we fail at this matter of giving him control. And it leads to a total lack of a real relationship with the Lord. And a lack of a real relationship with the Lord always leads to a life of sin. It always leads to a life of destruction the lack of a real relationship with the Lord is the root cause to every sin. Every single one of them. But he tells us, if you'd simply stop living your life out of control and live it in my control, his control, says, to be a total change in God's description of you. says, you're my friend. You're my friend. Joseph Scriven was a young man from Ireland. He grew up with his sweetheart from grade school. 
right before they were to marry the day before. His fiancée died when her horse became spooked and tossed her into the river. Knocking her unconscious, she she drowned. Years later, he had moved to Canada, I believe, and he fell in love with another young lady who, the day before their wedding day, died of pneumonia. After these tragedies, his mother became ill, and he sat down and penned her these words. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. What a friend we have in Jesus. I believe that song could line up just with John chapter 15. We'll go to invitation time here in just a second. But before we bow our head for prayer, can I simply ask you, are you living life in your own control? Because if you are, it's out of control. Or are you living your life in his control? We must learn to live our life out of our own control. As we do that, it'll change our dependence. It will. It'll change our desires. I'm not going to stand up here and say you're never going to sin. You will. It'll change those, desire, those desi- desires. Then it'll change God's description of you. There's people in my life that I hope they would say, Nate Harris, he's my friend, and it would mean something to him. I hope there's people in here that would say that. There's names I could call out, many of you in here. The others, I just haven't got to know you yet. There's nothing greater than saying, hey, Jesus is my friend. That only happens by living our life out of our own control and put it in his control. Every head back.